In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony, and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. These guys are barrels of fun. This is section 422. Welcome to the section 422 podcast episode number 59. Derek Van Riper here with Will Salmon. On this episode, we will visit with Brewers pitcher Justin Grimm and discuss the Brewers pitching depth with the increasing likelihood of expanded rosters for this 2020 MLB season. Will, how's it going for you today? Doing real well, Derek. Hopefully we get some news on the baseball front as far as seeing a season in 2020. So holding our breath for that. Hopefully it comes. At least it seems to be trending in a positive direction lately. Yeah, it really does. And it sounds like we're going to get a proposal from Major League Baseball to the Players Association coming up on Tuesday. So that might help move things along a little bit and uh, hopefully we'll have some kind of agreement in place maybe by uh, the first week of June. Again, this is just sort of a wishful thinking sort of thing, but I think we're all missing baseball in a pretty big way at this point. But uh, we're going to catch up with Justin Grimm and then we'll talk about how pitchers like Justin really might be impacted by those expanded rosters because, uh, you know, if you add even four active roster spots for the Brewers and you think about the success they've had with Craig Council managing expanded rosters in September, it doesn't take much to give the Brewers a significant advantage uh, as you think about how that process might play out. Now we're very pleased to be joined by Brewers pitcher Justin Grimm. Justin, thanks for taking some time to talk to us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Justin, I think it's good to kind of just start with uh, you taking us through your career. You have a couple of big seasons, of course. Uh, do you mind just kind of going through that and explaining how you wound up with Milwaukee this past spring? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, obviously, uh, to start with the trade from Texas to uh, Chicago. Um, I was a starter then, uh, kind of little different uh, thought process. And then, um, you know, got sent to AAA there when I got traded to Chicago. So kind of like the double whammy, right? Like I was in the big leagues, you know, kind of holding my own as a starter, you know, good, good outing, bad outing, you know, typical younger uh, prospect type stuff, you know, uh, pitching in the, the big leagues. But uh, yeah, when I got to Chicago uh, in that September, uh, they tried me out in the bullpen and, you know, I think that they kind of were just like, this is where we see you fit. 
uh, you know, for right now. Uh, that was kind of the message just for right now. So starting never, you know, really left my mind. Uh, but I think after 14, uh, you know, halfway through 14, it just, things kind of clicked a little bit. Uh, you know, I was, uh, embracing bigger situations and, um, you know, uh, just took the attitude of, you know, did this fit my personality? So this is what we're going to go with right now. And, yeah, so I had a few few good seasons there and, uh, you know, started to uh, see some, I would say, you know, decline. You know, I didn't struggle. I was still holding on, uh, still dominant at times, uh, but just some flight inconsistencies there. Then in uh, 18, yeah, I just, you know, I, I made a personal bad decision, just tried to kind of grind through some injuries there uh, a little too long. And then obviously you can see the numbers. It just ballooned. Uh, I couldn't find the strike zone. Um, yeah, got hit around in uh, situations and uh, just ballooned real fast on me. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, the whole goal at that point was just to get healthy. And then obviously I go to Seattle, uh, finish out really, really strong. Uh, felt really good. And then, uh, yeah, last year didn't make it back for whatever reason. Still, still a little bitter about that. Uh, you know, uh, this spring I was telling uh, council and, you know, all of them and uh, the, uh, all the front office in the, the meeting before spring got started going. I was like, hey, listen, well, like, there was never a doubt in my mind last year that if I would have got a call to the big leagues, I would have been dominant. My stuff was good. Uh, and I, I, I would say I just battled more from a mental aspect of trying to find that edge. And, you know, um, it made not be something that a lot of people understand, but when you go from pitching in front of 50,000 fans for about five, six years, you know, it's, uh, then you, uh, go back down to AAA, you're trying to figure stuff out, you know, you're, you're going out there in the game and it becomes more of a, all right, let's get my work in. Let's see how this is working versus, uh, I'm gonna get you out. So it was a good learning lesson last year, um, for me, uh, because, you know, to get back, I'm going to have to find that edge, right? Like, it's not going to just be handed to me. So, uh, yeah, uh, and then, you know, obviously this spring, uh, it was just battling and competing. Uh, I I, I uh, loved Milwaukee uh, just from the start. Uh, the communication was awesome. Uh, you know, Hookie and Carsey were actually here in Nashville um, right when I had signed. And uh, we went to lunch and just talked for an hour or so. And uh, the communication was great. And, uh, it was really nice to have that uh, chat just because of, uh, you know, that off season, I was really working on uh, on myself and uh, everything that uh, they wanted, they saw, you know, on paper is stuff that I had been working on that whole off season. So I felt, felt great going into spring, felt confident with it and uh, just, you know, went and when it was my time to get the ball just went and competed so yeah that's kind of uh i don't know how long it took to explain but that was the little uh, of my career so far hey we appreciate you taking the time to explain that and share that perspective because it's an interesting journey and like you mentioned you went through all of last season I mean, the numbers, you could, anybody could look them up. I believe it was something like 84 
485 strikeouts and 60-something innings. Um, that alone will indicate that the stuff is okay, at least, right? Um, and also, I mean, you're only 31 years old. Uh, that's still pretty t- relatively young here. And so I, I wanted to ask a couple of quick follow-ups based on what you said. One being, what has sort of kept you going and and kept you focused the most on trying to get back to the big leagues? And second, um, what was it about that conversation that you mentioned with Hook, and I believe it was Carson Cross who you mentioned in Tennessee? Uh, what is it about that conversation that stood out uh, that makes you say that it was a uh, great communication? Would you hear, would you provide for them that sort of made it all in sync? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the thing that really keeps me going is I have no doubt in my mind that, um, you know, I, I I think that in 14 and 15, you know, the later half, 14, 15, and, you know, 16 was a little bit up and down, but it was still a really good year. I mean, that's who I am. You know, that's when I was, I wasn't thinking about things, you know, I wasn't doing all this, not to say I'm thinking about it now, but I still have a belief that I am that dominant guy and I still have a lot to prove and that, you know, look, if I didn't think I could hold my own in the big leagues like I would have walked away last year you know it, it, it's that simple fact you know um, I, I I just think that it's a mindset of just wanting to be great to you know I've I've always loved this game and you know it's a it's a passion of mine and I think that uh just you know embracing that uh uh combining that with just loving to work out and to do all this stuff. It's uh it's a uh nice path to uh try and go reach that success. And uh so uh yeah, as far as that, I think you know, that's just kinda where my head's at. Um so uh I I love the process and all that and as as frustrating as it is sometimes, you know, um I've also had that reward a little bit too, so I know how that that part feels as well. And so it's all worth it. So, but yeah. And then, uh, so as far as, you know, hooking Kushi, uh, and, and the communication, w- one thing I love about it is that they include everyone, you know, from, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say names, but you know, it's everyone who you, you may have been in a ball last year, but you're in big league spring training. You're here and we're going to help you get better and pitch in the big league. And I, I just love that. Or whether you, you know, you're, you're staring down eight, nine, 10 years in the big league. So, um, but you know, for me, it was just about embracing these analytical things that are going on in this game. You know, I think uh, there for a while I fell in love not necessarily fell in love with myself, but fell in love with who that guy was. And so it's like, how did he do that? Why change that? And uh, the reality of it is, you know, this game is, is always changing and it's changing fast. So you, you kind of got to tune with it and uh, kind of find out my, uh, my breaking ball that I had thrown, you know, I got two different rips and this one's a lot better. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt, the same way uh just from last year and throwing it and getting uh, strikeouts on it and stuff so uh yeah i think uh that communication as far as that was kind of just nailed it on the head you know they 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 challenge you as well too so uh it's it's um it's been great so 
Yeah, Justin, I think one thing that's really kind of caught my eye just watching baseball for the last, well, almost 20 years now, but just the different ways that teams are kind of synthesizing information, right? Everyone's at different points in terms of the technology they're using and the data that they think is important, but how they present that to you as players and how they try to use that to to guide you and coach you along seems like a, a critically important thing that some teams do a lot better than others. How much have the organizational philosophies and teaching methods varied across the teams you've spent time with over these last uh, four or five years? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, so when I was with the Cubs, man, it was, it was old school. I mean, here's your, I mean, we had a really good guy, doing, uh, Borzello, the strategist doing this guy reports and, you know, he always went more in depth than, than most or than, uh, most, but you know, the thing that was good about it is, Hey, keep it simple. Here's what you're good at. And, uh, you know, they were, they, they just match you up well. And so it's like, Hey, go succeed, you know? So, um, but, but, but with, uh, you know, Milwaukee, I mean, it's just been the, you know, the way they present it. I mean, everything is just nailed down to a T. So it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to go do. Uh, so it's, it's very similar, believe it or not, but you know, it's funny, it's funny, like just looking around the game, you know, you got to mix the old school versus new school. And it's, it's a nice mix because in my opinion, this may not work for the guy standing next to me. So that's where it's got to be with the communication between the coach and the player to be on the same page. And, uh, you know, some organizations are just like, hey, here it is in black print right there. Take it or leave it, you know. So it's more of a, uh, you know, just a do it this way approach. And you don't have a say in what you do. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, de- definitely uh, different. Uh, but I think the way it's communicated is uh, 100% the difference. So, that, thanks for sharing that. Um, has the you mentioned the communication a couple of times? Um, has that has that sort of remained during this time that we're living in? And how have you sort of tried to stay ready yourself? Yeah, you know, I think it's just going back to, to just I wouldn't say an off season approach, but you know, working out, you know, making sure you're doing what you need to be doing to be ready to go. Like, so I'm, I've been throwing, you know, bullpens twice a week, like, and one's longer than the other. Um, but I think I'm just kind of on pause. I'm, I'm doing that until I hear more. Cause once it's go time, you're not going to have any time. You ain't going to have two months to figure it out. It's two weeks. So, you know, if they if they called me tomorrow and said, "Hey, we need you in Arizona tomorrow," I, I you know, from a physical, mental standpoint, I would be ready to go um, and do that. Maybe not necessarily throw three days in a row right off the bat, but just being ready to do what's asked of you. I think, uh, and some guys, honestly, you know, they can sit around for a month and then just pick it back up like it's nothing. Other guys, they have to stay locked in. So I think it's whatever is good for the certain individual to be locked in, ready to go. Uh, so, 
the the mental aspect's going to come in big time. Uh, you, you know, you, it's easy to just be like, well, you know, this is unprecedented times. I I haven't had that much time to get ready to go, so whatever. Is or you can just be like, well, screw it. Like I'm going to take this time to prepare more and uh, do what I need to do, get better at it. And when uh, hitters, you know, to try and beat me, I'm going to uh, be more prepared. So I think that. Uh, mindset will come in uh, big time. You know, one thing we've heard a lot more about in recent years, it's another process-related question, is pitch tunneling. And my question for you is, what is the most difficult aspect of, of doing that effectively? Is it having the right combination of pitches you know, that you have confidence in, or is it having mechanical consistency in your delivery, or is it even something else entirely that makes tunneling so difficult? Yeah. I think uh, either, you know, it's, it, it's, I think it's both, you know, this whole, my whole lifetime I've been taught pitch down, pitch down, pitch down. Well, now all of a sudden they're telling guys to pitch up. And like when you, you know, get the, the feel for so long of pitching down and, you know, everybody used to throw, I mean, except for Greg Maddox and, you know, guys who were beyond their years, but everybody was throwing down in the way you know, jamming people in, and then they were throwing the breaking ball. Uh, so uh, now, you know, you see guys like uh, Josh Hader, you know, uh, certain guys with good ride on their fastball, uh, they're throwing it up in the zone. And that's where they're wanting to throw. And, you know, they would have that quick adjustment uh, for whatever that is. Uh, but I think that takes both a little bit of a mechanical adjustment and, you know, it could, it could, it could, it could be a sight adjustment. It could be, you know, the way it feels coming out of the hand to make it consistent. Uh, there's many ways, but, uh, I think, uh, at the end of the day, the guy who learns how to pitch in the big leagues versus constantly worrying about mechanics is going to be the guy that, that wins in the end. So, Justin, we appreciate you sharing that perspective and dropping the knowledge that you have on us. Um, we're certainly pulling for for big things and good things and positive things for you uh, in this next part of your journey. Um, you know, you mentioned just the idea of different information and, and feeling good. How were you feeling about your stuff way back when, you know, two months ago in the spring? Um, that seems like an eternity ago, but... It was two months ago. Um, I personally thought you looked great. Uh, how how were you feeling about your stuff in the spring? Um, and what do you what did you think or do think about uh, the different sort of situations that have been thrown out there? And the, obviously the stoppage and the fact that the game the game may pick up with a shortened season, uh, expanded rosters, and all, all that. How do you think that sort of impacts you in your situation? And then again, uh, how did you? feel about your own stuff and, and where you were at just two months ago yeah so uh as far as the stuff standpoint uh i i feel good about it you know um I, I think it just goes back to that mindset like i know i can the stuff's there to be dominant right so what what is how am i going to go be dominant what what is it it's not stuff right so um you know, I think it's just answering that question and uh, keeping it that simple. Um, so I, I was very confident in the stuff. Uh, I was 
I, I, I was attacking more, I would say, um, the zone this spring versus and, – and I think that comes in back to competing. You know, when I'm competing, I'm attacking the zone. You know, when, when I'm not in that compete mode, I'm trying to toy around, do this, oh, let's make this happen, and it's, it's just too much going on, right? So, you know, when you, when you get into that compete mode, you lock in. Uh, I think uh, simple for me happens automatically. So um, I, I felt really good about it, honestly. Uh, I don't make decisions. You know, I, like I said, I talked about last year, I don't know why. I didn't get that call for whatever reason it didn't happen, but, uh, I just come back to, I don't make the decision. Um, I would think it would help, but then again, you know, stuff happens right all the time. So I'm just staying locked in, staying prepared, uh, doing what I need to do. Um, and then, you know, if uh, if I get that call, and uh, just I'll be prepared. If not, uh, you know, then then so be it. Uh, just keep working. But uh, yeah, you know, it's a funny game. I, I think we all base it off of uh, results. Obviously, you know, that's just everything in life is results. So, you know, I'm not saying I'm gonna go have a point five, you know, or a point two whatever but uh I, I i'm just saying that i feel really good i feel really confident where i'm at uh i put a lot of hard work in over the off season to go make things happen and uh you know i got a lot to prove uh you, you know you mentioned 31 was relatively young uh i feel like nowadays you know over the last you know five years it used to be kind of like prime right now I feel like they're handing me a cane saying, go get them. <laughs> so, you know? uh, so, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's funny, man. appreciate that. Um, sp- speaking of just being 31, uh, at, at least I know that in spring training, it was just a weird time um, because you, you actually, uh, you had it uh, an addition to your family as well during that time. Yeah. What has that been like to, to spend some time at least with, with, uh, with your with your baby and just uh what was that what was that situation like and i guess it's somewhat of a silver lining for you right yeah for sure you know it's it's been a great a great time with my family uh, we've obviously grown closer um you know uh we uh we're thinking about maybe each for a week because we never get this time together to do such things you know in the last 10 years it's always been baseball 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 so you know, uh, use it as a deload and then reload right before things get, uh, fired up. But, you know, that's all, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, you know, I was, I was joking with the guys. I was like, you know what guys, it's my fault. I'm a jackass who didn't go home for my son. So this is karma. Sorry, boys. You know? <laughs> but, no. but no, it's, it's, it's been good. She's been, she's been doing great. Uh, little man's doing great. He's growing fast. So, uh, been a blessing for sure but uh i think uh i think they're all ready to kick me out of the house and go get to work (laughs) (laughs) everybody's a little bit stir crazy at this point but uh justin thanks again for joining us on the show today stay safe and the best of luck as we hopefully get baseball back here this summer yeah absolutely thanks thanks guys
Smelling good is important, and thanks to Hawthorne, smelling good is easier than ever. It's time to move on from that old bottle of cologne that you've had since high school and to start taking care of your hair and your skin. Take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne will tell you the products that are best for you, including two colognes, one for work and one for play, along with a full complement of shampoo, conditioner, body wash, deodorant, and lotions that smell great and are free of sulfate, silicone, and aluminum. All of Hawthorne's products are cruelty-free as well. You can even take the quiz for someone else to find the perfect Father's Day gift for your dad. Hawthorne is totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com, hawthorne.co, and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co, and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. All right, Will, so let's talk about the implications of the expanded rosters. And September success under Craig Council, it's well documented at this point. As you start thinking about some of the guys who are in the mix, if you get to a 30-man roster, certainly Justin Grimm, who we just spoke to, right there in the thick of things. Um, You have some players who were optioned down to AAA back before the roster freeze who would be strong candidates to join the uh, bullpen as well. You think about um, like Jake Faria, who's off the 40-man, but he was in camp as an NRI. He could be a part of that. You get some younger guys like Drew Rasmussen. Uh, but the other tricky thing here is that the 30-man active roster would likely be accompanied by a 20-man taxi squad because having players ready to go in the minor leagues doesn't look like a thing we're going to have in 2020 either, at least not in the traditional sense. So you really start to comb through the organization and you find that most of the depth that the Brewers have is going to come in the form of extra relievers, especially Bobby Wall and J.P. Fireisen, Devin Williams and Angel Perdomo and, and Eric Yardley. And you start thinking about all those guys battling for those spots too. And you could see pretty quickly how the Brewers could actually benefit from having more relievers at their disposal. Other teams might not get quite the same lift. The toughest decision for Craig Council, Derek, during the spring, as far as trimming the roster down to the 26-man opening day count, was going to be about the decisions that he had to make in the bullpen, particularly with the right-handed guys, because there was a surplus of those. And so while there was a surplus of other guys as far as the position players go, whether it be infielders, um, a couple of different outfielders that they could have used uh, for that last roster spot, the toughest calls were going to be made inside the bullpen. And so now, like you said, we don't know about exactly the specifics about the roster, whether it will be 50 or the 30-20. Those things seem to be what's been out there the most, and they make some sense. So let's kind of go with that. If that's the case, you do have all those guys that you listed who were already on the 40-man who are sort of battling for those last coveted bullpen spots, and now you essentially just bring them on your roster, and that definitely improves things because the separation wasn't exactly there either after you got through the Corey Knable, who should be healthy and ready to go, Hader, Suter, those type of guys, David Phelps. After that, there was a little bit of a drop-off where there wasn't guys who just automatically or immediately jumped off the page for you as, okay, that guy has to be included here. There was sort of um, this grouping of guys that you could have chosen from. And so 
there's some depth there, and they're all really talented, like you mentioned. Uh, Fire Eyes and Black, Williams, all high K rates last year and throughout their careers in the, in the minor leagues. And so those guys were very promising. And then you add a guy like Perdomo, who is a left-hander, and he was lights out during the spring, really turned some heads. But he was another guy that was like, okay, sort of like a Drew Rasmussen of, okay, this guy has impressed us. But maybe he won't be with us right when we break camp. Maybe it will be a while. Well, now you could say, assuming that these guys have stayed ready and healthy and all that, that they're all of a sudden added to the bullpen and they're of use. And for the Brewers, that's quite the boon just because if you look at their starting rotation as well, they have so much flexibility there where they could stand to benefit even if guys are only able to give them one to three innings in their initial start for a start or two because they have other guys that they could plug in such as a Freddie Peralta or Corbin Burns or Eric Lauer depending on how that fifth final rotation spot went so what I'm trying to say is that they could use utilize those guys as sort of piggyback options if a for example uh, Josh Lindblom is only a bit, uh, only going to be able to give you two or three innings in that first start after such a long layoff. And then you could kind of get into the bullpen and the surplus of talent and, and depth there that Craig Council can mix and match. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors and no artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply, and you can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com, enter the promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com, and enter promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com, and enter promo code ATHLETIC. There's another name, I guess, that is probably a lot more likely to stick on the pitching side in some capacity who maybe was going to be at AAA or would possibly opt out and go sign somewhere else, and that's Shelby Miller. And the Brewers were trying to get Shelby Miller you know, into the mix at points in 2019 as well. He had an opt-out in his contract. I believe he exercised that last summer. And this is a guy that at one point was a top prospect in the Cardinals system, you know, a decade ago, has struggled over the last four, five years now, really, just hasn't been able to uh, consistently stay healthy and pitch effectively at the big league level. But there's something there that the Brewers like. And I think having some creative ways to use pitchers and having more spots to use them absolutely uh, changes the tune just a bit. Now, is there anything else that's really kind of caught your eye with this pitching staff? Because I was starting to think about you know, Eric Lauer as a guy that was dinged up when spring training was put on hold. He should be healthy or close to healthy once things do uh, pick up again. It was a shoulder injury that was going to cause him to miss the start of the regular season had things started on time. you know. Uh, so now he's kind of right back into the thick of things for a rotation spot. And 
maybe they could tandem start guys because they do have probably seven or eight different starting pitchers who are viable options. And as we've seen in the past, you know, pulling guys after four innings and change, making sure they don't go through the lineup a third time if they don't necessarily have the stuff to do it. That's kind of been the driving force behind how this pitching staff is managed. Well, that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is the fact that they're so well suited for that tandem option where you have the one guy who could throw you the the first maybe two or three innings, maybe uh, certainly more as we go further into a shortened season perhaps. But initially, you just can't expect guys to throw more than a couple of innings or a few innings in their first start, especially these days. I mean, if you want to just relate it to the spring, the Brewers, their their starting pitchers, their first start were one inning, and then they would go to two innings, and then three innings, <laughs> and then they'd boost it up from there. So after more than two months away, you would figure that they would probably be on the same sort of track where you're not asking them to do a whole lot of heavy lifting there, of course. So you would assume that, again, a guy like a, a Limbloom or Adrian Hauser is probably even a better example of a guy who would probably just have to go through the lineup once, um, uh, at least initially. And then, like you mentioned, you had the you had that sort of cluster of guys for that fifth rotation spot traditionally. And Lauer should definitely be healthy because that was supposed to be a, a very minor deal for him. Um, so you would assume that he's okay. And say he does take that fifth, fifth starter job, well, Peralta and Burns, who were pushing for that job and would have been on the team probably they will be able to throw basically the same amount of innings you would think as a lower as long as the quality is there so that to me is is what stands out the most as far as the brewers and their ability to sort of use that option probably better than most teams and then you also throw in like who the guy that you mentioned shelby miller as somebody who could perhaps do that, they signed him and they brought him into the big league camp for the spring. And he was in excellent shape. I know we say that a lot about guys uh, at that time of year, but he lost a lot of weight. He had a different body type to him than what we had saw previously in the big leagues. And he looked really good as far as his ability on the mounds, his stuff. And the plan for him wasn't exactly to break camp with the team. It certainly wasn't, actually, now that I think about it. It was more of a long-term deal where they figured down the road, he's probably going to have to help us in some way just because you want a high amount of guys who you could call on down, you know, in a 162-game season. Well, now, two months later, probably starting this thing up in June, July, um, hopefully early July, but probably mid-July, if all things go according to plan. Well, he's going to be a guy that you're probably going to call on now um, to be part of that group, you would think, just because of what he's able to do for you. So he's another guy that can pick up those two or three innings in a tandem situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And again, all of this comes back to counsel and just how well he executes managing a pitching staff, especially when you give him extra pieces to work with. Uh, it's just a, a mark of the council brewers, and it could be something that he has available for all of the 2020 season. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Section 422. You can find Will on Twitter at Will Salmon. I am at Derek Van Riper. And again, scoop up that subscription to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash 422 to get 40% off. If you got questions you want us to get to in a future episode, you can send those our way via Twitter. 
Thanks again to Justin Grimm for joining the show today. And if you're enjoying this podcast, listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any platform that allows you to rate and review it, please take a moment to do that. We would greatly appreciate it. For Will Salmon, I'm Derek Van Riper. Thanks for listening. We're back with you next week from Section 422.